Yo fam, welcome to Let's Go with Nick Pags. This series is intended to empower you to break through your self-limiting beliefs and step into your personal power. You're the only one in your way, so if you're ready to step up and out, this is your show. Let's go. Applause, please. Thank you. Snaps. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here today with the man, the myth. I feel like I say that for every guy that's on the show. The man, the myth, the legend. It's a lot of myth. Only people. Like, you might not even know him as Gabe Snow. You might just know him as the quad god. I wish I could make you stand up and flex your quads. Although right now with your hamstring issues. They're still there. They're still there. Guys, Gabe Snow. How you doing, Nick? I'm cool. And people. I'm great, brother. Uh, me and Gabe were probably one of the first, other than my friend Obi, who I had first on the show, you were the, the first guy I wanted to talk to, and you're not the first guy I'm talking to. It's okay. Good Sorry. things take time. Sorry. Good things take time. I like it. <laughs> Positive outlook. Um, so give us, our viewers, our friends at home, listening, watching, who the heck are you? What do you do? A little low down. Just a guy. <laughs> I'm just a I'm just a girl. Um, <laughs> I'm a one of the founding personal trainers at Performance House. Yeah, yeah. Alongside of Nick and a bunch of great other young men and women. Um, I started in fitness via sports training, made my way into fitness modeling, made my way to Equinox. Was lucky enough to be recruited to work here, which is allowed me to open up my my vision and my outlet and where I want to take my brand into multiple different directions. Uh, what else do I do? Quads. Quads. Honestly. Train a lot of quads. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically I'm just, I don't really like to consider myself just a personal trainer. Um, I'm sure as we talk, we'll touch a lot on like mental health. Yeah. I have a degree in neuroscience, which I like to implement daily with all my clients, whether they know you it or not. You do have a degree in neuroscience? I do. That's what I went to wow. school for. It's hanging up, collecting dust. I think you told me that. Yeah. No, it's not. You're using no, it every kidding. day. That was like the biggest. I had a girlfriend break up with me, and she's like, when are you going to get a real job? And I was like, uh, what do you mean? She's Shut like, up. you have a degree in neuroscience. You're, just not, you're not doing anything with it. I was like, I use that every, every goddamn day. day. <laughs> like, every day. Every day of my life, whether it's for me or other people, it's just, a, you know, do I get paid in essence for the fact that it's like right. me an- clinically analyzing people? No. But it's still used. Absolutely. And I think like the holistic route of treating mental health is like where we all need to be before we reach for pills and whatnot. So right. like a lot of what I do day to day here, people think they're doing fitness, but it's a lot. It's a lot deeper than that. Right. So um, Performance House has definitely let me brand myself and, you know, implement my own style and not just train to train, but really like get onto like, you know, peel people back and see their layers. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of <clears throat> accidental promotion for Performance House on this podcast, mostly because we're in their closet. But yeah, the trainer room. But partially because I'm just so like in awe of what actually goes on here every day. I think people don't necessarily get it, like the level, like you doing that in your private gym somewhere by yourself is epic. Like working, focusing on neuroscience, working with like what I do. By myself, on my own, is sick. Mindset training. Focus on body-mind connection. How to get your body to a whole new level using the power of the mental, right? And then putting us and 15, 20, 25 others like us doing their own brand under this idea of own everything in the space. 
It's ridiculous. Yeah. You want to change your life? Come hang out here a little bit. Yeah, it rubs off. Um, okay, so probably the biggest reason why I was hyped about having you on the show and why we, we had, me and Gabe went out to lunch a couple weeks ago at our favorite spot, shout out Eva's, um, and we're sitting and eating and it was the first time we probably sat down and like picked each other's brains. Just talked, yeah. Just talked for like an hour and a half. Um, we've always talked gym stuff, but we got like kind of way too deep and I was like, shit, man, I wish I had like a recorder here to talk. People need to hear this. Literally, maybe (laughs) I should really buckle down and do this podcast. Here we are a couple weeks later. So... I'm really excited. Um, the the topic, mostly, that we were talking about was, I I don't even remember how it came up. We were talking about like motive to get motivated. Like it's hard to get motivated, man. What does motivate us? So I think that's how we like jumped on it. Um, but I guess the topic at hand is kind of like how to get motivated in your space from what you're doing, um, and what what is it that fires you up to keep going? So like, I'll I'll ask you. We'll start it with that. What gets you up every day? What gets you moving? And I'm sure this is going to turn into a deeper story, a lot connected to it. And hopefully Gabe will share with us what he shares with us. But he's got a pretty powerful background. so. Um, yeah, and actually coming from FitOps, FitOps Foundation, Formix, Ran Foundation to train war veterans to become personal trainers. Amazing thing I'm a part of was just there last week. And uh, actually, I actually quoted you about, you know, like – Where's their balance and whatnot? Right. And how you don't achieve balance that if you want to be the best, it's maintenance. It's never balance. Right. It's getting to the top and staying on top. Mm-hmm. And what, you know, that led me then, you know, it's because then that question was followed with like, well, what makes you, what you kind of, what you just asked me, what makes you want to just keep pushing forward, keep striving for more? Um, and for myself, it's just, it's just this inability to settle in any aspect of my life and it you know it may do me injustice in some forms it hasn't helped me in relationships because it's like i'm always trying to strive for more to be more to look for more i've moved 12 times in new york city because i'm always looking for a better apartment looking for a better home you know so it's not necessarily the best trait in every angle of my life but when it comes to my personal fitness my clients you know my career you know I'm, i'm almost too ambitious for my own good but what really gets me out of bed, what makes me want to be better is like, you know, in the most non-conceited way is myself. Right. It's that I'm my own worst critic. I'm, you know, always harder on myself than anyone else could ever be. And when I came to New York City, I kind of came with this mentality that every day I wasn't working. It wasn't that I wasn't making a dollar, but I was losing $2 because it was another dollar that I wasn't making. Right. So if you're not earning, you're losing money here. And I mean, obviously what we do isn't just about money, but it's a big part of it living in the most expensive place in the, you know, on the planet. So you have to, you have to be motivated just to survive here. Um, but always pushing myself to be better was just always never want, never wanting to face an opportunity, you know, being, being in a position to not be able to, to answer, you know, I never wanted to have to like outsource or like refer someone else like, Oh, I know someone who could help you. I've always wanted to be the person that. Every, I could help everybody. I could right. beat on everybody. Where that comes from is, you know, a lot of things from childhood. Um, parents, you know, dad was an addict, spent most of his life in prison and rehab, lots of overdoses, so I was always his caretaker. It was always putting himself above me. Um, my mom, single mom, went back to school, got her bachelor's, got her graduate, was in school my entire childhood, so I had to learn how to be like, very self-sustainable. So I didn't have any really role models 
you know, from parental, like in a parental sense, but, um, I was lucky that all the people I was surrounded with in school were always better than me and everything. So whether it was football, lacrosse or academics, even art, which is like something I'm, you know, I used to have a very deeply rooted passion. I was always, I always not befriended, but kept people around me that were, that were much better than me. And they became my, my grading scale. So say like you're, you know, the all American football player, you know, you're a senior um, and we're in the same high school, um, the sophomore, you know, barely playing. If you were getting so many reps, I had to get so many reps. If you were on the field doing this, I had to try and match that. If you got All-American, I had to get All-County. So I always just held myself to a higher standard. Than Can I ask you a question about that? Yeah. Because often one of the things I say, I heard it somewhere, I think it's a pretty common saying, and I, I, I find it very powerful, comparison is the thief of joy. I say that all the time because I feel like it does rob you of your accomplishments. Yeah. So yeah. does that, do you feel that in your life? Does that affect you? Like with that, so when you think with that mentality, I, th- I think then it absolutely did. All right. Um, what it's bred in me now is that being at the level that I'm at, there is not really anyone else for me to compare myself to. Right. So I've yet yeah, like through my youth did it probably mess with my head and my self esteem a lot. Absolutely. Like yeah. I could have always been better. I could have always done more. But, you know, in childhood, like, or, you know, young adulthood, like, what's that really mean? You know, getting, like, an A versus a B, like, a test grade. You know, like, that's not something that's going to directly impact my life. Where now it's like, do I stay at safe Equinox and keep my clientele there because I know I can? Or do I strive for more and take a jump at a place that's a concrete jungle that hasn't been built out yet that's, you know, promising to be the next big thing? I take the next big thing. You know, I, I look for the opportunity to be more than I already am. And it's, you know, it's rewarded me now, um, but for a long time, yeah, definitely self-comparison is not where you want to be. It's not the best tool for motivation whatsoever. I don't use it at all there now, Yeah. but that's where my work ethic, I think, came from. That's where... Because you don't do that. You don't do that here. Like, in the discussions we have, I don't, I mean, I, it's weird. Like, I find fire from not watching somebody and comparing to them. Like I watched the way you train and it makes me want to be better. It's like an appreciation for your brilliance, an appreciation for Angelo's brilliance, an appreciation for Harris's. Like I watch them and I'm like, shit, I got ways to go because there's somebody doing something great. It's just an example that I want to utilize and, and I don't even like want to say aspire to because I want to do my own thing. But it's like, it's when you want to add to your arsenal and that's, and, and I think, you know, I, I, I learned to drop my ego a long time ago. And I guess where I've evolved the self-comparison thing is learning that you're never going to be the best. Right. It's just not. It's not possible. And you never want to be the best or considered the best. Because, you know, the second you think you know everything, you're screwed. If you're right. on your heels, you know, if you're complacent, then you're done. Like, you have to always be growing. So, you know, the way in which I, I guess I've evolved that self-comparison thing is now by finding the people that I know that are better than me and asking them as many questions as possible and trying to learn from them and becoming, you know, more of a student than anything else. Which is why this is such a powerhouse right. space. If people allow it, you know, if you have an ego and you come in here and you're not willing to learn and you're just you're stuck out. in your ways, you're never going to grow. You're never going to, you're never going to become great. You're going to be good, but you're never going to be great. And I think that that's what I've constantly done. Make up for my, you know, imbalances you know, whether it's like a learning curve, whether it was during sports, you know, lack of athleticism, I always just kind of learned to plug and play, whether it was technique or knowledge or just strength, whatever it had to be, 
wherever I lacked, I learned to grow Mm -hmm. and learned to grow from people that were already great at, you know, whatever that aspect was. Like if it was somebody, you know, I was trying to compare myself or try to be as good as someone in academics. Okay, well, how do they study? I want to learn how they study. Right. You know, not like I have to be as good as them, but I needed to adopt their ways to at least compare myself, you know, to be able to achieve as you know, highly as they were. You hear the shift, like Please. from when you were talking about it, when I was a kid, I watched him, I wanted to be yeah. better than him, to like, I don't want to be better than him, I'm watching and I'm learning and I want to be better than I was yesterday. Right, it was never, yeah, it's never about beating anybody, it was always me just being better than I was the day before. So if it was weightlifting, like, you know, if I saw, you know, the, the, the strongest guy on the team, what else, I wanted to know what he was doing, not to beat him, right. but he was the strongest guy on the team. So I, where everybody else was like, oh, I'll never be as strong as Big John, I was like, I want to be stronger than I am right, right now. And Big John's stronger than me. Right. So what's he doing to get stronger? Follow along. And then the same thing with personal training. I never wanted to get stuck with a client that was like, oh, you know, I have a hip impingement and a frozen shoulder. Let's get training. And me being like, well, I had no idea how to help you. Right. So, you know, there was not really too many places to turn other than, you know, textbooks and workshops. So you just have to find the sources of knowledge that are around you and admit that, you know, asking for help and asking advice is, you know, it's not a weakness. If anything, it's a great strength. It's just right. making sure that you're asking in the right places and looking in the right places. It's one of the main things where I think people screw up, certainly in this industry, <clears throat> because it's in ego, you gotta look cool, Instagram's <clears throat> gotta look hot. We're just talking about this. How stupid. Yeah, so and I love I love social media and, you know, we can go into that conversation, but I I am very passionate about it. But when people play that game of like I gotta look perfect on it, that bullshit drives me crazy. Yeah, um, yeah I mean it's like it, at any level, no matter where you are. And by the way, folks, there are the people, and I say this one out of experience. I'm a young guy. I got a lot to learn. This one I see all the time. I will go up to people in this space. I've gone to, and I've said I want to learn. Like I want to learn sure. from you. I want to yeah. check it out. And it's like. <laughs> like they it's almost like a bully mentality yeah like it's sarcastic it's like dude i'm i'm literally being vulnerable and saying i want to learn like you got something that i want <laughs> that i want i want to learn from you let's collab you give me 20 i give you 20 we get 40 right and like and there are just people who will challenge that They'll never win. But those that's, people. That's, that's coming. That's because they're coming from an insecure place. Absolutely. And they have not validated that maybe they know even know their stuff in, in order for someone to ask it. So. Because know. they they have they're winning in some way, mm-hmm. which is why someone walked up to them, or they look like they're winning. Right. And if somebody were to ask them their ways and they weren't really doing it right, they couldn't give you a hell and a why. People would just figure you out. Yeah. So like if you're bullshitting your let's use Instagram because we're just talking about it. If you are the fake life Instagram guy, and then I say like, "Yo, how do you get that picture? Like, where are you getting that content from? That's phenomenal. I want to cut. Like, how do you do? You, like, when you're up at Ford getting that video, right. and then when you catch my dude cheating on that, and like he wasn't up at four, he filmed the video at six p.m. With like and, a later poster and like fake the video, like. Yeah. He, he won't give you and divulge information because he's nervous he's going to get found out. Right. So, like, that happens everywhere. When people yeah. are not authentic and real to their shit and you try and learn from them, they know that they will be found out if they divulge your information and then they're ruined. So, right. like, the people who are avoiding you, insecurity. Yes. The people who don't want to help you, they're insecure in what they're actually doing. 
So stop like getting nervous about like no. for real for real. The, yeah, I mean that's that's the what the, what do we say? Wolves don't like wolves don't what cry over sheep's opinions or whatever we say. Like, like you don't that. lose you don't like wolves don't lose sleep over sheep. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Yeah, you don't. I mean that's the thing. Like especially with my training style, like there can't be any ego because it's very lightweight. So it's like I'll train guys like give me like give me a couple heavier you know dumbbells give me let's put more weight on the bar and i'm like no like you know do my stupid motto do it light do it right right like anybody who's judging you for your weight doesn't know any doesn't know their ass from their elbow yeah like if you're not doing it right then you have no business doing it and if you're a fitness person you're an enthusiast you're a professional whatever you have fitness next to your name if you have anything (laughs) fitness next to your name on instagram or you just have an instagram with all your pics up there let me tell you who i'm talking to right now if you're not watching on youtube if you're listening I call him the quad god for a reason. This mofo is a beast. He's the guy saying, do it light, do it right. So a lot of times we get caught up, and this is a beautiful metaphor for life. We're trying to do big things, big things, add more on, add more on. Do it right. Just do it right. And if you do a billion things right, like you just do it in repetition right, it will get noticed and you will improve. People will find out. You will add more value. All that stuff. It's just a TTP. Trust the process. Yeah, man. If you, like you said, you do it light, do it right a million times, it will it will accrue, and you'll see value, and you'll yeah. see greatness, and, you know, mastery before anything else. Don't overwhelm yourself. Master, you know, the small things before you take on more. Love it. And that's, that's like you said, it's, it's funny, especially coming from FitOps, from the charity. It's like personal training, training yourself, helping others, whatever you need to do. Just it, It's all full circle. It's being empathetic. You know, it's motivating in the right ways. It's being kind. It's being nurturing. And that's just being a good human being. And, you know, if you're original and you're kind and you're genuine to yourself first and then to others, like, people see it. Right. And, you know, that's talking about, like, motivation. You know, if you want to be successful, just learn as much about yourself as physically possible. Self-assessment. And, oh, my yeah, God. Self-actualization. And you'll, and you'll be found in whatever realm it is that you're, you know, seeking, whatever, wherever you're trying to find your vision. Like, people will find you. People will see you. If you follow my podcast, you've heard the same thing with five different episodes and you guys had no idea each other were on it like you i don't even know if you know harris was on this angelo was on this like these guys just spoke about like the what i've learned and any level of success that i've achieved came from me knowing me like self-awareness you know uh angelo's whole thing about intrinsic strength like he's just so much studying himself it's so huge that self self-awareness which kind of leads into this topic of where where we find motivation in a lot of ways so the cool story or how how him and i got me and gabe started discussing it was like i was saying you know he had kind of divulged some of his story to me giving me his background and i was like holy shit man like that's crazy and um and i said see like this is where i struggle in my life and and i think i've talked about this on the podcast before I had such a dope upbringing. Like my life was so smooth in a lot of ways. I had the two best parents on the planet. Um, you know, my dad was a dick in a lot of ways and he knows that. And, and I've always talked about it. He, he challenged me in a lot of ways, but I am the man I am for a lot of those reasons. And my mom is an angel from heaven. So I had all these like really phenomenal family members, especially my parents. My siblings are the greatest people on the planet. And I'm just like... I don't deserve, when I hear your story, like the shit that you've been through, I don't deserve 
to feel motivated and fired up to get going and want to do more because like I didn't come from a horrible, tough background. Like I didn't come from a dad who was an addict. I didn't come from a mom who was never there. I didn't come from like beating this, that, and the other thing. I came from good stuff, good people. It was powder your ass half the way through. But I'm one of the most, and you know this about it, like fired up, motivated, determined mofos on the planet. Yeah. And you can ask anybody, and these are the highest performing personal trainers in the city, maybe in the country, in the world, in this space. Agreed. And all of them would say something along that, and I'm not being cocky yeah. or pompous. Fact. They would say that about me in a way. Yes. Like this kid, like he's always hustling. And I came from a cushy background. So then Gabe is saying all these things, and I'm like, yo, how does that work? Like what Merger. is it that triggers us? Yeah. You know? So I mean, that what we talked about, it was... Um... Cause it's just motivation. It's motivation from either like a point of disparity, you know, or motivation from a point of, you know, of like yours is genuine. You're not, I mean, they're both genuine, but your motivation is much more organic. Mm-hmm. Yours comes from, you know, it all comes from the heart in a sense, but yours comes from a pure, you know, wanting to be more to just to, to reach your full potential. I because feel it's gratitude have, very heavy. Yeah. Like I'm, I, I have so like literally, people pray, people do whatever. Where you're gonna do it again? You're gonna stand in front I'm of the camera again? Do it again? What are you doing? Sorry, I <laughs> Don't knock it over though. People, sorry for the pause on the screen. So people like, I, I'm so motivated by gratitude, like thankful for the opportunity to be able to do. Stuff, so, yeah, and I would imagine there's a level of like I don't know. Do you feel like you're tr- you're working through gratitude, you're living through gratitude, or is it like is that now the case and it wasn't before? It's definitely it's the case now. So okay. that's what like, I was kind of getting at. Is it's just like where you're tra- like you know I'm sure like your parents you know mama, mama from me, from heaven you know always wanted. Nick Jamie. to be to reach your full potential. Absolutely, you know, always wanting you to strive to be the best that you could be. Where now, like in my sense and my upbringing, where it was more about like survival. Okay. So it wasn't like grow, adapt, become more to you know to see the end of the you know the end of the the light at the end of the tunnel. Where more it was like grow, adapt, learn to survive to make it to tomorrow. Yeah, no choice. And that's motivation from a point of disparity. That's like. You're a survivor. You know what I mean. You're, right. you're you're grinding to survive. You're not really seeing. You know you don't see the point of am I going to be working towards gratitude, towards you know, helping others achieve you know self actualization, helping others develop them, themselves. Because at first you know it's a, it's a, it has to be from a selfish point. You know it's I have to do this in order to make sure I'm here tomorrow, in order to provide for myself, in order to you know make it to the next day. Where, you know, your motivation originated out of just wanting to be like Nick 2.0, you know, to be the bigger, better Nick, to achieve your dreams. Where my dreams, I didn't really, my dream, my, what I'm doing now, I, I totally say I have a dream job. There's nothing I could ever. Yeah, but let me ask you this. Why didn't, why did you keep going? You have every reason not to. What, like, you're saying to survive. Great. Why did you want to, sur- like, why do you want to survive through some of the shit? I mean, and he, look, he hasn't done, he's not, you don't know his whole story. His shit is real. I don't know his whole story. But to some extent, like, I, I hear you. Like, why do you keep going? 
like the resiliency. Um, it's definitely something that's innate. It's definitely something that was born in. Um, I, it's definitely been challenged. There were dark days where I wanted to quit and right. turn it all in. Um, definitely had a brief stint with uh, a lot of mental health issues, a lot of depression. Um, was put in a psych ward, was three or two for a while. Um, was you know was t- basically told to give up. Here's a pill, swallow the That's pill. That's what I'm saying. Like, and I don't know. I just I I had seen my father and my mother struggle with depression and you know and the alcoholism, the, the drug addiction, and you know no matter how bad things got. Now they were never they 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 were role they were role models in the sense of how exactly how not to be. Right. My dad he retired very young. He, you know he made plenty of money, but. You know, once he turned in his job, he had no passion and was lost. And I saw that, you know, money was not the answer. Money doesn't make you happy. That's when his, you know, addictions started. And then it was drugs and alcohol. And then I saw drugs and alcohol ruin his life. And, you know, it was just watching this man who was supposed to be my superhero just drown himself. Right. And then a mother who also struggled a lot um, with, you know, love from herself, from her family. She never heard I love you from her parents until she was 21 years old the day she got married her, her first marriage multiple marriages multiple divorces my mom's priorities my entire life for herself first um, and you know watching the both you know the people who are supposed to kind of have themselves together struggle at all, you know this all point in life it, it just gave me an understanding that you know the only person that you wake up to in the morning that you know is going to be there is yourself not even mom and dad like, and that's, you know, where we're very different is I was waking up at a young age, having to take myself to school, having to feed myself, having to get myself home from football practice, having to figure it all out. And, you know, it made me very self-sustainable, very young. But, you know, the motivation end of it, the, the why just not, like, turn it all in, you know, why not just, not, why go to school when no one's waking up right. to go to school? Right. Um, you know, it was, it was just always, like, a, just this eagerness to, 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 to beat it, to beat the the circumstance. I knew that my circumstances did not have to rule my life. That the shit that I was going through was never going to last forever. Right. You know, I always knew that it was temporary. And I don't know. I just I think that by watching these two adults struggle so much, I learned exactly how not to be. And I was intelligent enough at a young age to know that it wasn't necessary. That just because that's the path they were going down does not mean that that was the path for me. Where, you know, my siblings, they were older than me, but they kind of struggled with that. They, they made my parents' tragedies their own and wore them and still play them that card into adulthood. And they're 10 and 11 years older than me. Um, but my, my sense of just, you know, eagerness to, to never quit, um, where does it come from? I, I, I mean, I truly can't even answer. I can't even truly tell you where, where, it's, where it originates. But it, it was just always... Just coming from a place of, uh, well, I'm trying to think, just just character, I guess. You know, football played a big role in my life. Yeah. I, there was a lot of times that I only went to school to keep playing football so I could play on Friday night, right. you know, so I had an outlet. Um, but, like, the true just, like, drive to be better really just came from within. It was just, I don't want to be like them. Right. I don't want to end up like that. And people used to ask me when I was a kid, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it used to freak my teachers out. And, you know, oh, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be an NFL player. I was, like, seven years old saying, I just want to be happy. 
I just want to be happy. And I knew that happiness didn't come from money because I watched my dad do that. I knew happiness didn't come from spending money and partying and doing those things. I knew that happiness didn't necessarily come from love because I watched my mother have multiple relationships, multiple marriages. I knew that happiness had to come from somewhere else and I didn't know exactly where it was yet. You know, I thought it was in sports. I thought it was in something like that. But it is, you know, it was sports in childhood, but it was, it's, it's passion now. And it's having a passion and having the capability to acknowledge that if you truly want to be happy, you have to have passion in something and you have to put, you know, you have to invest in it. And depending on how happy you want to be, you know, and how successful you want to be, it's all about how much you're willing to invest in that passion. You know, is it just going to become a hobby or is it going to become the rest of your life? And I think that I just learned young that in order to be happy, I had to chase something. And all the things that were in my face, you know, not going to school, that wasn't going to lead me to happiness. Where was that going to take me? I wanted to be educated. I never wanted to be, you know, feel as though I was inadequate. I was already kind of held below standard because having a father in prison, having a mom that wasn't around, I didn't live with my parents in high school. So I was always the kid sleeping on other people's couches. So I felt like I was a burden to a lot of people for a long time. And it was kind of just this audacity, like, I'm going to get you back. I'm going to pay you back. Right. Like, I'm going to. Like, you're not going to regret this. You're not going to regret taking me in. You're not going to regret paying for my dinner. You're not going to regret, you know, making sure I got to school on time. Just all of the people, you know, like the whole takes a village to raise a child. Like, I really, I was raised by a village and I was raised by myself. And uh, I really think it was just, you know, as, as cheesy as it sounds, just the the understanding that where happiness actually comes from and that I wanted to be happy and I knew exactly how not to be happy. So I've kind of just been chasing blindly happiness. That's power, man. If you're listening to that and you have the audacity to like walk off this podcast and not be, or to find an excuse for fucking anything, just like that, that that's where it goes back to, to me. So like, you know, and, and we're working with extremes here. We're talking about your level of extreme, which is you've got no choice or you're fucking dead. Like, that's it. Sink you're done. Swim. Like, sink or swim. And in some ways, never to belittle, and, and please understand, I mean this, like, as, as sensitively as possible. Like, it's easier in a way. Yeah, you make a choice, it's binary. You're fucking doing it or you're not. So for somebody who's hearing that in that situation, please find like hope in that story that like, and Gabe is truly, honestly, no, no joke. One of the nicest, chillest, most incredible, authentic guys I've met in this space, but just in general in life. Um, So there's no reason to feel as though there's no, I think, I think one of the things you highlighted, which is huge, get a per like, Find a team, go to a club, yeah. get some buddies, like try and surround yourself with something that gives you purpose if yeah. you feel like there's nothing left. It's part of being a part of something bigger than yourself. Right. The football team. I mean, that's yeah. that what I imagine is huge for yeah. you well, if that, you look that was, back it, on it. It was wild. Just one of the, it was funny, like, especially, it's like, you know, it's a little dramatic, but when, you're, when your dad, when your parent, whoever it is, isn't around a lot, it's, it's you know, looking back on my childhood, there's moments almost like like flashbacks of, of like one-liners that mm-hmm. he taught me and told me 
at like very young ages that I just like I I can close my eyes and see him. <clears throat> and uh, it was like the first day of first grade, and he was he took me to the bus stop, and I didn't have a whole lot of friends, and a lot, all my friends that I did have were a little bit older than me, so I didn't like see them through the day in school, so I was kind of like alone, like alone a lot. Um, and my dad told me your friends are the family that you choose. And that was in like first grade. And I like held that so true. Right. Even now. Like I have a million acquaintances. I have very few friends. Right. And because I think I held that so true through my, especially through, you know, the, the upbringing and having to rely on friends and having to be able to like drop my ego and ask for help. I was very, I was lucky because of the friends that I, you know, having, holding myself to that standard made sure that the people that I was asking for help were genuine. You know, I was constantly reaching for a branch or a limb and just being shut down. So the couple people that I had around were there, you know, and surrounding myself with, a, you know, a small network of people that were that were genuine and that I loved and loved me back. You know, it really ensured that I was going to make it to the next step. You know, that high school was going to turn into college. College, wasn't, I wasn't just going to move back home and, you know, become a bum. It was just I always had somebody, you know, that I could you know, not rely on financially, economically or anything like that, but just someone that I knew that was there, right. you know, and that took me a long time to get because when I did have that high standard of friendship, my entire youth and my entire, you know, coming up, that's a hard thing to match and not a lot of other kids in that your age will even understand that. Right. So I didn't have a lot of friends um, yeah. most of my life. So it was, it was, it was lonely, but it made sure that now, you know, looking back, would I rather been a lonely kid? A lonely kid, but an adult with a couple solid people in my corner, right. or the popular kid with you know seemingly tons of friends all through high school and college. But nobody would but be. But nobody there. is an adult. Yeah, I'd take it where I am now. Yeah, you know, every time, every time over that, um, you know, and that's what we talked about before with like upbringings and stuff yeah. like that. Like you know, I feel like I was primed for being where I am now in life because of because of my tough story. Right. You know, but again, being primed because of. Of being in front, coming from a place of disparity yeah, versus you just wanting to be better. You know what I mean? Like I had to be better. You know, my I was growing from behind. Where you know you you were already in the sun, so it's really up to you to let yourself. And there, and be. you got a taste of it. So like every time every time you improved, it was like, mm, that tastes good. I want like I want that was a nice bite of the cake. Yeah. I want the whole damn pie. And then you just start to grow and grow. And you know, I, it really is. It all comes down to this idea of perspective, and I say this all the time, like, I'm enamored by human perspective. It blows my mind that the way we use our, and this is your term, and I've been using a lot, pain receptors. Yeah. The way we feel is so different. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you feel a situation that deep, and you felt it enough to want to get up and prove, even at first grade, even at sixth grade, even as a high schooler, like, it wanted to push you. And... You know, like, his pain receptors for stuff. You were saying, like, that people talk about divorce with parents, and it's just, like, no, like yeah. you're, you're, like, whatever. Well, yeah, like, I'm used to it. That's I give, I give, like, the tattoo analogy. Like, a, you know, I got to say we both have tattoos on our forearms, same exact spot. For me, I could have been screaming, kicking, crying for the entirety of the thing. For you, it might not have phased you. And that's where, like, the neuroscience thing comes, you know, my degree plays in, especially. And that was, was really wild about learning about this stuff while I was dealing with the attack thing that I went through after right. as well, which we can talk about. Um, you know, we, we all process pain differently. We all learn differently. You know, we all feel differently. 
you know, I might have been kicking, screaming, crying from the tattoo on my arm. You may have just been sitting there having a chat with tattoo, the tattoo artist. Well, the same thing goes with your brain. Emotional, intellectual distress, your brain's going to process differently than the next person. When, right. when I tell my story, my upbringing, the things that I've seen, the things that, you know, I've been through, you know, being diagnosed with PTSD on three separate occasions from youth to adulthood, you know, when I tell people these things, they, 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 they're in awe of how I'm okay, how I'm not medicated, how... You know, I'm able to be a functioning part of society, you know, but, and then I, I use that, that, that example that I, in that story, I left out that my parents went through a divorce that lasted seven years, wow. you know, of settlement, right. a very brutal, vicious divorce where I was the youngest child and was put directly in the middle of it. Did it probably have a lot of effect on me? Yeah. Was a lot of it subconsciously affecting me? Absolutely. Um, but it wasn't something that I ever even registered. You know, I'm not saying that that makes me tough because I mean, if being tough is anything, it means you're ignorant. Right. If you're tough, you're not. You're not feeling something that you probably should. Right. You know, there's a difference between being tough and being resilient. Being mm-hmm. resilient means feeling it and dealing with it and processing it. Being tough means you're just like a blunt object. You're just letting it ding off you, which, right. you know, you got to take pain as a as a lesson to learn something. You know, there's a reason you're feeling that way, other than the sheer fact something shitty happened. You know, it affected you on an emotional level, which means that there's something there that's triggered, which you need to find what that trigger is and understand why it hurt you, not just that hurt, move on. And, you know, with the fact that we don't, people don't, when people compare stories, it's like, oh, mine wasn't that bad, you know, but your pain is your own pain. That divorce could have registered on 11 out of 10 for someone, you know, their parents could have been like, you know, the shining vision of, you know, of, of a familial life like your parents were for you, that divorce could have sent you, you know, into a deep, dark hole, into a depression that you could never have come out of, you know, and who's to tell you that that's wrong or that that's not enough or that's bad because the way right. that you feel that is solely your own response. You know, the way that I felt mine was my own. If anything, I was a little lucky that, it, you know, my pain receptors in that sense were kind of desensitized to it because I kind of had a lot of other chips stacked up against right. me. You know, and that's the thing too is your, your brain will well, it'll, it, you know, subconsciously, it'll put shit aside. Be like, we can't do this right now. Because we're know? focused on right. this thing. That's exactly. Tough. That's, you know, like, we, it prioritizes for you, you know, and that's, but that's the thing is, you know, sometimes it doesn't, and sometimes things sting a little bit harder than they need to, and you, people should never feel sorry for, for emotion or feeling. There's so many times we're always, especially, like, in our culture, we're, we apologize for feeling a certain way right. when we have literally no control over our emotions Time we have brain. control over how we react to those emotions but that's where it's our job like I said before to realize okay this hurts I'm not just tough and going to ignore it I'm, this hurts why does it hurt and that's true power to me if you if you have we all have emotion and even if you have bitchy pain receptors <laughs> sorry about it like there are women that take my class who will break down and cry for a full six hours because they broke a nail lifting a dumbbell in my class. And that hurts them. And yes, it sounds goofy to guys like us who like hustle and grind, but that's hard for them. And that goes back to somewhere, you know, that, that something's there. There's yeah, there is some hole there that, and, and where power comes from, man, is like that acceptance of this hurts. Let me eat it accept it understand now that's in the past how am i going to take it and either utilize it or implement it to make me stronger to learn to improve that's where a lot of people stop right that's where i'm enamored by your story that's where like i talked to you about et the hip hop preacher my homie eric thomas i watched him every day he's the number one motivator in the world he's incredible 
there was a point where, you know, I struggled because I watched him day in and day out, and I loved his story. And when you're going to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, then you'll be successful. I was eating out of garbage cans. I was living in abandoned buildings. I was like, yo, this guy, like you, I would hear your story. That shit, I'm ready to go lift all the weight in the gym. Fires me up. Feel good. Ready to go, like, kill the day. Be positive. Be thankful for what I have. Um, but then there's a point of like disconnect because like, I can't, the thought of my mom not being there, the thought of my dad being addicted to pills or drugs or whatever, like doesn't even register. Like I have empathy for it, but I, I can't envision it. So there's a level of disconnect. So to come from another end, so somebody who I think is a lot of the population, People who, like, things are good. Maybe not like, oh, my God, my dad's a baller and my mom. Like, yeah. I've, everybody's got their things. Everybody. But to come from a place of, like, I'm fine. I'm okay. Life is pretty decent. Like, the 9 to 5 kind of mediocre guy. And I'm, I'm there's nothing wrong with mediocrity. I think it's a bad word to use because people think so yeah. negatively about it. But It's a comfortable lifestyle. It's a comfortable lifestyle. And, like, to get someone like that to feel fired up sometimes it's harder yes. than the guys like you, you know? Yeah. Well, that's the thing is it, with guys like me, it's, it's, we come from a world of highs and lows. So it's, Hell yeah. it's very easy to stoke a fire that's, you know, already either really hot or really low because it's just dramatic. You know, it's easy to stir that pot with someone that's kind of just flat line, flat affect, feels the same all the time. You know, the, that, that homeostasis is, is achieved. They've, they're at that regular feeling make a decision though dude like that's that's the thing and that's where i get fired up right because i i know all the guys who's like daddy's got it i know all the guys who like have the backdrop and like everything's good you're gonna land on a pillow if you fall you're cool i was one of those guys i created intervals in my life i needed highs and lows because i was just sitting like i'll just uh, i'll figure it out i'll go through the motion like my dad's got me my mom like i got connections i'll figure it out but that's I was never that, like that. Yeah. But yeah. like I had to create the the term I use um, often is like self sabotage in a way. But like it, not like I wasn't hurting myself. But you know I tell the story of like me I was sleeping on the closet floor of our gym right. when we opened ripped like yeah. because I just because I wanted to feel like I had nothing left. And some some people are just not willing. To take one second, I'm not tell- telling you to like sell <laughs> your homeless. apartment and like go live on the street. <laughs> That's not it at all. All I'm saying is you've got to create some type of fire for yourself. And no matter what that is, every single time, no matter what, it means doing something. Yeah, consistently. Just doing something. Like yeah. get, wake up at 4. If you usually wake up at 8 for a 9 a.m. call to work. Wake up at four. Maybe that one thing is a game changer for you to create intervals. Again, pain receptors. Waking up at four for a guy who's always woke up at 7.30. Sucks. <laughs> is miserable. Not sucks. Will fuck them up yeah. for a week. They like can't hang. I was doing three-hour sleep nights. Now, is that hard compared to what you've been through? No. Again, that's perception. Right. But that's what, like, some people just are not willing to even try challenge. Right. And then they're pissed off that they're not getting great things. Right. Because, I mean, you're not going to, no greatness will be achieved by, you know, chasing a circle. You got to put yourself outside the circle. You got to do something that's out of your rhythm. You know, if you just do it. I think with you, though, you specifically, you know, 
and like you say, mediocrity, you know, what made, what forced you to grow beyond was the same kind of thing that I had was your, you know, your inability, inability to settle. Mm -hmm. You didn't want to just be the same, you know, guy, kid from Westchester relying on the parents doing the college, college, post-grad at home for a little bit, get the job and about the parents' house. You wanted more than that, you know, where in essence, I didn't want to be the, you know, jailbird's son who follows in his footsteps could have been something great that everybody's like, oh, he could have been something. And that's, you know, I refuse to allow that reality to become true. Just as you refuse is that, you know, your reality to become true. It doesn't make a difference, you know, the dramatics or the, you know, how bad it sounds. In essence, we both started on home base. We both swung at a ball. We both ended up in the same place. How we got around the plates inevitably was somewhat the same. It's just the fact that, you know, one story sounds a little bit more dramatic than the other one. We both had to follow the same process. We both had to swing and swing fucking hard. Right. And both had to run. And both had to get there and slide a couple of times and make it safe. You know, did you go up, you know, me, I was, you know, uh, let's say an under average batter going against, you know, a, a Hall of Fame pitcher. Right. The odds were a little bit different, you know. And, you know, for you, you were forcing yourself to have to have those odds. Right. You didn't necessarily need to challenge yourself to the way that you did. But you, I think you probably subconsciously just wanted to see how committed and dedicated you actually were to making Test something limits. work. And for me, it's like, you know, I have this sense of self-efficacy, you know, what people say is confidence, because I've been, you know, against that Hall of Fame pitcher and been the day's been dark and I'm like, well, I hope I make it out. And it's like, I know I'm going to make it out. Right. You know, where you needed to have that, you needed to give yourself that self-efficacy of, I've been through this. I've had the days of three hours of sleep. So when the day is come that three hours of sleep is no other choice. It's just another thing. It's not a tragedy. But here's the biggest thing. That that was a ridiculous... Like, please go back and rewind that if you're confused. That was so legit on how to explain it. Um, but the only way... And I think, I, you know, you tell me if it's different for you. The only way that I continue to do that... Like, I did challenge myself. I did throw shit on me, I did, you know, I did see what I was capable of, I did push the threshold all the time, less sleep, more work, more challenge, walk into places I'm uncomfortable with, try the next thing, the only way I did it was that it was all, and we talked about this with Angelo, um, focused on service, like, no, I was not Mother Teresa, I was making money, and people were paying me to train, but what I was doing I was watching people get better. I knew I was helping someone. Mm-hmm. Now, how people are like, well, I'm an accountant and I want to be successful. You're an accountant. You're helping people. Yeah. Well, I'm a banker. You know, like in some way or maybe your line of work. We're very lucky because our line of work is, is supporting Purely. people, helping yeah. people. It's, it's just, it's a dream in a lot of ways. But there are so many ways to do stuff in your life outside of just your job. And you might realize while you're doing that outside thing, that's what I need to be doing for a living. That, that and you could be any age to do that. You don't need to make that decision like early. That can happen whenever. But that to me, that's what like what woke me up was yes, me. Yes, the thought of my ma. Yes, the thought, uh, the thought of my pops and like my family and what I owe them or I feel like I owe them. That's huge. But there were people in the room waiting for me to teach the class. Right. And there were people coming up to me saying, yo, your passion is real. I feel it. Thank you. You got me fired up. I can't wait to come back home and say. There are people who said, still, to this day, that I've been working with for six years, a 75-year-old client, Diane. She's 
a superhero. She ran a triathlon last year. She just broke her shoulder and she like came back the next day for training in a cat. Like she's just a savage. She said, my life has never been the same since I started working with you. Not to toot my own horn. I'm just saying that's the line of work. So when somebody says that to you, how do you not get up in a lot of ways? Feeds that fire directly. So there's that side of it too. That I think a lot of people miss. Like, they're trying to get a buck that'll fire them up. Yo, I want that watch. The so watch will get you so far, dude. That's, yeah. I mean, I, I told, same thing I told the fit ops vets, like, you know, not to use foul language, but, like, Girl, I was it. like, if this is, if this line of work is not intrinsically rewarding for you, if you're here to chase a buck, get the fuck out. Right. And I'm a non-vet, you know, my ass uh, standing up there looking at some of the hardest mofos I'll ever look at yeah. and telling them to get the fuck out of the room. Yeah. They don't really handle it that well and they have a lot of questions a lot of things to mm-hmm. say afterwards. And you know, for us, the reason we are great at what we do is because we find so much intrinsic reward in helping others. Right. That does not mean that anybody out there has to have a, a, you know, a career path that is directly helping, helping right. others. It could be helping yourself. It could be being an accountant and helping people budget. But ultimately, it's being rewarded intrinsically, not just externally, not just money, not just a status, not just a business card that says something, you know, a title on it. It has to feed your heart and your soul, you know, first and then your wallet second. And when you find, if you're lucky enough to find a career path that feeds your soul first, you will be great because you're going to want to constantly feed that fire. We're lucky enough that we get to feed our own fires while feeding someone else's, which makes us, you know, people like us who are very ingratiated and and feel we're humbled at the opportunity to help other people it makes us want to be as the greatest we can be to to make sure that our people are as great as they can be right and we're lucky there but ultimately i think what it is is just finding you know that's why I, i push people towards passion before anything else is finding something you know that is intrinsically rewarding first and then chasing it you know it's so interesting my my sister works for and she, I hope she doesn't get mad at me for this. For a, a very low pay, like she doesn't make a lot of money. Yeah. Part of that is because she went in a field that she did not have a, a degree in fully. So she's a feeding specialist in Queens. Okay. And works with kids who have disabilities and you know, like consistency things. They just can't like eat food, whatever. It's an unbelievably taxing job. She's paid one fifteenth of what she deserves. But here's the thing. She loves the work. She's passionate about it. When she's texting our family group chat in the middle of the day, guys, you're not going to believe what just happened. Alex just graduated from the program. He was crying. His grandma came up to me. She's telling, she's so, and I know my sister very well, so joyous at like that moment. Like no, she's so full. Like her cup is so full. Yeah. What turns her off is when she starts listening to the people who are making a lot of money. When she starts hearing the commentary from mom or dad saying like, but are you going to be able to support a family? Right. When she starts hearing the commentary the of like, you are. should be able to make more than that. Right. The second that conversation sinks into her, that's when she loses passion for the work. It pulls back. So sometimes the problem is not the work you're doing. It's just you're, you're letting outside voices take over yeah. what the hell's going on. Influencing. Yeah, Jill, like this is to my sister. I'm like, girl, you literally quite literally saved that human being yeah what are you upset about what i don't even know what you meant 30 grand like you're upset okay 
Go, like, if you're that passionate about what you're doing, okay, now let's think logistically, I need to live, okay, I need to go get another degree, how am I going to do, like, you'll figure it out, when you're that deep into it, and you love, but stop listening to the fucking naysayers, man. External stressors are bullshit, it's stuff that's not real. And it's stuff you put on yourself, you're blaming everybody else and playing victim, take accountability, why am I upset about me not making money, go tell a story from accountability viewpoint, before you go victim. Right. Like she could say, well, he told me I'm not making enough money and the dad told me like you're not going to be able to have kids and the mom said like, honey, I think it's really smart. You could play victim or you could do the same exact story and say, look, I know that I'm in a job where I'm being paid not That's enough fine. and I could be going to school and doing extra hours and I could not do any vacations or concerts for the right. next few months and just save up and, and go to school and get that degree. So I could touch on that. Go, like, please. Perfectly. Because ultimately what it's going to come down to is, you know, we don't make change until, you know, the cons eventually outweigh the pros. Mm-hmm. So right now she's intrinsically rewarded. The pros are, she, her belly's full, her soul's full. You know, whether or not it's just, you know, if it's just the external stressors, just, you know, people questioning her pay, she'll come back, you know, to ground zero and say, I don't really give a shit because I'm, I'm happy and I'm full and she'll stay there. Right. And now, you know. Some of us, people like you and I, who want to be the best, we want to be, you know, we want to get our hands on as many people as possible. You know, we, you know, we, we keep striving. We keep right. feeding that intrinsic value. You know, now, like in my, my story specifically, like I never got into personal training as an end game. Like this was going to be a short term gig. This was going to be something that was going to pay the bills right. when I first started. That I, I later looked back and realized I've been personal training my entire life, right, all the way right. from high school through college, through sports, through bodybuilding um, and nutrition. I was always taking someone on in some type of way, without really consciously saying I'm personal training. Um, but when I got into personal training, it was not, you know, because I got this ultimate joy from it. I started, you know, talking about underpaid. I was at Equinox. I was getting twenty six dollars a session before taxes. Same. That's what I was um, getting. Yep. Do you have a me, five o'clock? Six o'clock. Oh, okay. Um, Sorry. Was like making little to no money. And, you know, it was, my, my, my passion then was, um, so like my small part of my story, signed a modeling contract my last year of college. Con, you know, first year of modeling went really well. Agents said, move to New York, see what happens. I moved to New York. Um, fell in love with acting. Acting became my true passion. Yeah. I was in acting school for about a year. What? Yeah, yeah. I did acting too. Did yeah. I tell you? That? No. So then we learned as we go. So I that was my that was like my passion. I became obsessed with it. I got into the Dina Levy Dina Levy Conservatory um, here in New York. Had to do like a twelve hour workshop, like twelve hours straight of trying out to get into it. And I thought that that was my calling. That was my passion. It was I loved it. Um, there was a lot of times though. I felt I felt very selfish. Because it was like, okay, what do I have to do to get better at this? And it was like, right. I had to just spend more time right. with myself, you know? And I felt very lazy. Somebody who, you know, college athlete, sports, the way I grew up, I always felt like I had to be doing something. So, you know, I picked up I picked up personal training. When I first started, I was, I was personal training 5 a.m. till about 8 or 9 at night, six days a week at Equinox Wall Street, bartending three times a week on top of that. Same thing as you doing two to three hours of sleep for six to eight months, and in that time frame, I I couldn't manage acting school anymore. Um, I couldn't afford it. It was my first year in New York City. Um, personal training. I was kind of a flash in the pan. I had gotten really good at it really quick. My clientele went from like one or two people to nineteen in one month. So I I bit off a lot more than I can chew. I'm 
very thankful because in that time is when I was like, oh my God, like I love this. This is what I love to do. I was offered a promotion at Equinox to go up to tier two to make more than $26 a session. And I had felt this extreme guilt that I would have to tell like five or six of my clients like, hey, I'm not going to be able to train with you anymore because I'm going to have to go to EFTI, Equinox Training Institution, four days a week to take classes during your time slots. So I, I didn't take the promotion. I made the lesser amount per session in order to keep all of my clients. You know, Megan, another personal trainer here at, at Performance House who I worked with there, looked at me like I had 10 heads. Like, right. What are you doing? Right, right, you know, right. struggling to survive, like living in a six-story walk-up in Brooklyn, like yeah. barely able to afford rent, walking around Whole Foods, filling up the hot bar containers, eating it as I quote-unquote shop right. to have dinner because I couldn't afford it. Wow. You know, um, but I loved what I did every single day. Right. I loved doing 10 sessions a day. Cup was full. And my cup was full. And family, when are you going to use your neuroscience? Are you going to be making six figures, this, that, and the other? And I, I, I didn't even, those external stressors didn't, they deflected. I was like, because you were so in. And, and because of the upbringing of having a father that used to make $24,000 a week doing uh, international shipping, money was not, it's not real. You right. know what I mean? It's a man made object. We need it to survive. We don't need it to be happy. Right. So that $26 a session, bring it on. I'll yeah. do it. You know, was it sustainable to get two to three hours of sleep a night doing that many sessions? Absolutely not. Right. But I found my joy. I found my calling. I, I forced myself to go to workshops, continued education so I could help my clients be better. You know, that, that selflessness didn't really adopt to its full degree until I had really seen that this is what I wanted to do. So it was a little bit different. But, you know, just like your sister where she's her, her cup's full right now, you know, how long can it stay full? before you know survival starts creeping in and being right. like you need to make more money so what happens is you know the pros start getting outweighed now it's like i need you know my 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 lease is up on my apartment rent's gonna go up an extra 500 dollars next year for this right. next year's lease this is no longer affordable so now what happens is she and i just like I, what i did is is you now find a way to make more to earn more for doing what you love you, you never sacrifice yep. i didn't take more bartending shit i quit the bartending right i quit the bartending shifts i stopped going to modeling and acting castings to take more sessions so i sacrificed the little you know the things that i thought that i was here for originally in order to make more time to earn more doing what i loved because all it meant was i got to do what i loved more in the day then you know okay realize i can make us a little bit more money doing what I love if I take if I take clients outside of Equinox and right. start doing independent training never sacrificing the act of doing what I love but finding another way of doing it and earning more while doing it and then doing that had led to the, the recruitment of being here does this math sound right cuz this is what you know I am starting to learn more and more we think you know it to get exceptional results that means success financially success in your space whatever exceptional results it's your intention plus the mechanism you use to get there equals your exceptional results i think so many times we think it's half and half like your intention has to be set and then you got to figure out how to do it i really believe that when your intention is all deeply, truly rooted, passionate. Your intention was you're going to train people and help people when that hit. You dropped everything else. You were all in 99% intention. The mechanism just fell in your hand. Like training started popping up. People wanted to train with you more. 
Equinox wanted to get you in a program, Performance House called, like all of these things dropped in your lap. 1% mechanism, 5% mechanism, it's intention. 100%. And when you're in on intention, the mechanism will find you. Yes, absolutely. Huge. And, and that's, that's life. That's love. That's romance. That's career. That's happiness. That's, and it, and it goes in reverse. If you're, in, if you, you know, wake up every morning telling yourself you're not going to amount to anything, that negative intention, you won't. It's still 99% intention yeah. and then the mechanism to be miserable will show right, up. Right. You won't, you know, you won't. You'll get around them. the wrong people. Exactly. You'll get around the wrong job. It goes. Th- that's a huge, but that's a fucking dinger right there. The same thing applies for negativity yeah. and failure. But and it, we, we see it so easily applying it to negativity. Right. Because it's a way of us, a way of making excuses. It's like, well, this happened because. Right. You know, but no one ever says. I put my all in and I earned it. It's like, no, right. you got lucky. Right. Like, no, there's no such thing as luck. There's only being prepared for the opportunity. And if you're a hundred percent in on something, you're a hundred percent prepared. Right. You're, you're there with open arms. And we all need, and we all need it every day. We got to yeah. hear that message right there because every, nobody should be complacent because your potential is too great to be complacent. So if you're in a space right now, wherever you are doing this thing right now, just the the fact that you're like sitting back and you're hearing this and now you're not like I, I commit to my like for the next two days. Like I want to find one thing where I can just commit a little more. I could just do a little more like just go above and beyond the tiniest bit. What do we got? Something I keep in my wallet and read every day. Gabe, Gabe just pulls out his wallet and he hands me this thing as well. Every day is an opportunity to change things for the better by Michael. How do you say it? Pivik? Pivik. Pivik. That right there. So, like, it shows the kind of guy he is. But, like, that, you're asking how do you get successful? No, no shortcuts handed to this guy. And, by the way, and, I, and this I will toot my own horn, I didn't have any shortcuts in this industry either. Everything I did from 17, I didn't call mommy, daddy. No, did they drive me to the gym sometimes? Actually, no, because I walked there. But... Yeah. But did they, were they supportive all, all in and like do what you love, but really you should think about a real job. My dad said for a long time, just it's, it's not a real living. It's an hour. You needed self-validation. You needed to prove that you, you know, you could bear the blunt of it if you had to. And I did it on my own. You did it on your own. We figured it out. And that is the truth. Like you cannot, you can't fake that stuff. And then when you get to a place like you might fake it so far, we talked about it full circle, man. We were talking about this in the beginning eventually you'll get called out yeah you'll get somebody you'll and get now that. in this society of being able everything's recorded everybody's got a camera everything's there you will not make it far no when you get that client that you know comes to you with all the issues and you're sitting there with your hands underneath you because you and you have no because you didn't do the homework because you didn't learn yeah you gotta grow you it's gotta be willing to learn more and that's 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 whatever career you're in and that's life i solely believe our job as human beings is to leave this planet wherever we go afterwards, leave this life Better than with as much knowledge about ourselves as possible. That's huge. That's if, if, if you are, if you are, if, if you know, the, the walk of life is an educational academic world. If it's a, if it's an institution, your major should be yourself. Yeah. You are your own topic. You need to know as much about you as possible in order to live the best life that you want to live because the only person that you live it with is your own self so you need to learn 
you know, you need to spend time alone. You need to sit, you know, and wall every once in a while and, you know, feel out your dark crevasses and your holes and feel, find what they are, you know, and know as much about yourself, whether you call them weaknesses, I call them imbalances or dysfunctions, you know, there is no such thing as weakness. There's just only, you know, a superseding strength and another essence. It's just, you know, you're just compensating in some way. You know, the more that you understand yourself, the more prepared you are for the world. And the more prepared you are, the more likely you are to be able to put all of your intention in one place. And when you do that, when opportunities come your way, you won't hesitate. You'll know where the holes are. You'll know what, what you need to compensate for. You know, okay, I got trust issues, so, you know, I need to make sure that I check off all the red flags in this new relationship. You know, right, I need to right. make sure that I don't rush into things, I take things slow. You know, whether it's love, relationships, career, life, like, it's all it's all the same. It is yeah. all the same. It's just a matter of knowing yourself to the, you know, full capacity that you're, that you're able to. And most of us can't get out of our own way in this idea, like, I love this story, how they catch, you ever hear the story, like, how they catch monkeys no. in the jungle or whatever without hurting them? There's no, I love this, there's no crazy trap, there's no like closed door, there's nothing like closed door, there's no trap door, there's no hurting a monkey, literally there's a, a box with a banana in it and a very small hole, tiny hole, envision this with me, and the monkey walks up and there's a string attached to the box so that the hunter can get the monkey but essentially all it is is a small hole. They reach their hand in to grab the banana, and when they grab it, it flexes their arm. And the hole, because they're flexing the arm, tightens. And they try and pull the banana out, pull the banana out, pull the banana out. And the whole time, all they have to do is release the banana to slide their arm out. Yeah. But they're self-sabotaging so much, they don't even realize if they were to just let go, turn around, there's a whole jungle freedom of bananas yeah. of the shit you want it's right there you're so stuck on the one banana that you think you're right about release have intention i want a banana but recognize there's bananas everywhere dude yeah. stop staring at the one in the trap and let the fuck go just release it yeah. and you'll get out but we don't think that far and monkeys are smart animals man but we're a lot like them man <laughs> yeah, apparently. apparently like hey we do it Strangle all over the place dude success. we just keep hitting our head against the same wall yeah. just relax release and go try another banana uh the show is called let's go what i like to do at the end because this listen just rewind that'll get you fired up but <laughs> if there's one thing for a value that you can leave with all the knowledge you got, the experience you got, um, for somebody who's listening right now to be able to just hang up, close this out, end the YouTube thing, and just be like, let's go, I'm fired up. Like, what, what is that one thing you can leave them with? I know I'm putting you on the spot. One thing to, to fire them up? No, nah, and I don't, I, listen, you've done enough. Your job is done. <laughs> but not to get mushy-gushy, just straight, like, one thing to just get them thinking to leave, leave them with. Um, I guess in terms of circumstance, um, you know, no matter how, how dark your day is, no matter how, you know, shit you, th you think that things are going right now, you know, to understand that everything, you know, is temporary, um, to allow yourself to kind of like shine through the light, you know, or sorry, shine through the darkness that if you understand that there's a fire that's burning inside you, you know, it may not be burning as bright as you want it to, but it is burning, 
you know, if you wake up every day, set it, set intention, set yourself up with, you know, small little checks, small little victories throughout the day, get that fire burning hotter and hotter each day, you know, let that light start to just shine through and let it roll from one day to the next. Um, because your flame is, is as big and as bright as you will allow it to be. And, you know, do not get in your own way. Do not stranglehold your own success. Drop your ego, leave it at the door and allow yourself to grow, you know, to your utmost potential. Um, yeah, I mean, let's fucking go. Let's fucking go. Okay, <laughs> my man. Thank you for being on the show. Tell us where they can find you. I know, I'm sure uh, you'd be willing to have conversation with people absolutely. who are interested. Absolutely. Whoever wants to reach out, um, you know, I, I don't ever ignore a DM or an email. Uh, Gabe Snow, G-A-B-E underscore Snow, S-N-O-W. Instagram is probably the best place to find me whenever, wherever. And he's at Performance House. He's working with FitOps Foundation, a foundation to help uh, veterans and becoming personal trainers and incorporating them back into society. Uh, he does incredible work with that. But please, 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 if you got questions about Gabe's story, if you're listening to this and you're on your last fucking limb and you need somebody who's been through some shit to talk you to that place to get you to where you need to be, reach out. He's a t- he's a guy please for do. you. So. Uh, Gabe, thanks for being on, bro. Appreciate it. Love you, brother. Awesome work. Thanks for watching, guys. (laughs) Good. Yo, fam, I want to acknowledge you today for taking leaps and bounds towards a more epic life. Your support and attention is so greatly appreciated, and I never take it for granted. Thank you so much for listening. I would love if you would continue to be a part of the Nick Pags Fit fam, so make sure you hit that subscribe button. And I'll see y'all on the next episode.